Christmas cabbage, as always, it's been a pleasure. He doesn't like you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with David Stanley Crossland. Christmas cabbage. <laughs> I just noticed that. Uh, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code ADVICES. High quality supplements, uh, fair pricing. Everything's third party tested. Check them out. David, what's going on with Christmas cabbage? He's now COVID compliant. COVID He's wearing his mask. Cabbage. Nice. I got a bunch of actually. Look at this. Look at this, would you? This is like three comments in a row. I've heard if Christmas cabbage's wound power, he would open the gyms that are in lockdown. Christmas cabbage got my vote. All hail <laughs> Dave's Christmas cabbage. Oh, man. You got some good stuff, Dave. There he is. There he is. <laughs> oh, hey, what's up, cabbage? So, uh, guys, we have a bunch of stuff going on today. Uh, we are going to kick things off with the steroids in the news. We are going to do a uh, profile today is DNP, and we have a plethora of listener questions from the YouTube feed, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff. Dave, how you doing today? That's a big word for you. Who told you that word? It's my one big word that I save. Plethora. I actually have said it a bunch of times on the show. You like that? Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen me... Going all, then you think going all highbrow now. This this doesn't really suit our show, does it? Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I, wanted to I'm... I got my bar. Uh-huh. I got my bar. It came in. Well done, Walter. Well, if... <laughs> so have you said sorry to Walter? I have not. I think you owe Walter an apology. Uh, no, I refuse. I think he was still in on it. <laughs> and I think they drugged that joke out as long as they could. If we have time at the end of the show, I'll show it to you. I've got it back there behind me. Uh, but we have so much going. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to take away from our valuable time. But I, I, I did want to ask you though, like I said, how, how's everything going? What are you up to? I saw you in the, have you been training? What's been going on with that? I have been training. Yes. Yeah. So three days a week. Nice. But I'm having to train at five o'clock in the morning, which is a bit of a ball lake. But nice. oh well, get, guess it. Just because I don't have the time to fit it in at any other time, mm. that that's effectively it. <laughs> so I can train at five, get back, eat, shower, sorted, and be ready to start my working day. So so that's the main reason. Okay. But yeah, it's uh, uh, it's going all right actually. Okay. Um, so just a steady start. So that's that. Yeah, everything else is pretty much business as usual, really. We're, you know, but um, eval's picking up nice and slowly, but it is slowly picking up. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, and I'm enjoying the snow because we're getting loads of it at the moment. You guys don't, do, do you get snow regularly in the UK? Is we, north, north, north of England, particularly into Scotland, that's, you know, the higher grounds, you, you'll probably see a snowfall every year or a couple of snowfalls every year. We haven't had, when I grew up, I, used, I always remember, as it, maybe this is just rose-tinted glasses, but I always sort of remember heavy snowfalls every sort of Christmas and winter, hmm. and we'd get a good foot of snow at one point. But I haven't seen stuff like that for a long time, but we've had... We've had about three or four bouts of snow now. Well, particularly where I am. Um, and we've got snow on the ground at the moment, but it's not particularly deep, but it's forecast for every day this week. Nice. 
Well, that's a, it's a fun change. It's uh, if you lived in Michigan, it would be uh, just par for the course. We have snow, snow, and more snow through February. Um, but we do have something that we haven't done in a little while now today. We have a steroids in the news. Now, I had a question for you on this one. This is uh, Brian Wright arrested on 14 mm -hmm. charges. And he looks a happy chappy. I don't think anybody's happy when they're getting arrested. You know what I'm saying? He was on the road, actually. He was driving. Uh, so uh -huh. State troopers made an interesting find inside a car that was stopped Saturday night on Highway 30 in, in College Station. According to arrest reports, DPS stopped Brian Wright, 32, uh, near Cole Stop Convenience Store due to a missing license plate on the front of his vehicle. Troopers said immediately that they could smell marijuana coming from the inside of the Dodge Challenger. Inside the car, troopers found a wide range of narcotics, a handgun, and several vials of anabolic steroids, nearly 200 unidentified pills, and two bottles of, get this, fake urine. Wright later admitted that this was used for passing drug tests. Now, I have the list here of the, 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 the things that he was found with. Now, for anybody who hasn't watched the show, uh, or anybody who's newer to the program, we've talked about it in the past, but David is what we call an expert witness in the UK. Uh, meaning, get, give us a little bit of a background. What, is that, what does that mean? What do you go to court for? I go to court to advise, generally, I, I technically I work as an agent of the court, so I go to the court to give a technical advice on a subject that they would not normally understand. Okay. So you can have expert witnesses in any field. Um, my field is obviously steroids. Um, in English law, both defense and prosecution have the right to call an expert witness to see if their side of the argument if the evidence fits it. Um, and in some cases, you'll get that the evidence fits both arguments. You know, yes, that quantity could be personal use, or yes, that quantity could be supply use, depending on, on where the person is. So, uh, but that's basically it. So I do both prosecution and defense work, uh, but I technically work for the court. Okay. Uh, and I'm there to explain what the evidence means so the court can understand, particularly in a jury situation where you'll have a, a panel of 12 people that, probably have never seen a steroid in their life. Okay. So I've got the list of uh, what the police found on this guy. He's just driving around with all of this, by the way. Now tell me, does this sound like, would, would, he, have, would he have a case for personal use, or does this list look like it would be uh, for sales? And I'll read it off for the people who are listening to this on the audio. And by the way, guys, if you didn't know, we also have this show. It's on audio podcast. If you search for Advices Radio on your favorite podcast app, you can you can listen to Dave Koff there. So he had less than yes. a gram of THC oil and wax, 24 grams of marijuana, two vials of nandrolone, two vials of test probe, two vials of sust. He had two vials of Masteron Enanthate, he had, uh, looks like one vial of Tren acetate, one vial of Tren enanthate, uh, one 30 milliliter vial of Clen, so it was like probably research stuff, 48 tablets of Clomid, 85 tablets of, uh, uh, what would that be, Cialis, 79 capsules of Adex, 
152 unknown blue skull shaped pills. I want those. I don't know what they are, but I want them. And 25 unknown green skull shaped pills plus a 40 caliber handgun. <laughs> Dude, he was driving around with the, all of this. The the in the piss. There's two stand. There's two, there's two standpoints here. Okay, uh, and both are equally arguable. So, supply is that supply because the volume of actual drugs is very low. Yeah, but the argument would be if you were trying to prove supply, yes, it's low. But he has single. He has multiple different products which would suggest that this is just the back end of stock. Mm. Mm. Okay. So, you know, this is why he's got two different esters of Trembolone because he's not using two different esters of Trembolone. So it, it, it's basically that his stock's low. So he's sold up, and these are just the bits and bats he's got left. Yeah, That would be your supply argument. Your personal use argument would be, that no, that's personal use, which you could argue is the same. And if you go into any steroid user's home, you will find single vials licking about of bits and bats. Sure. Obviously, you'd have to explain why they're in the car. Yeah. But when you look at the individual quantities, you know, the, there's enough clen there for personal use. It's not a supply level. There's enough caps of, of clomid for personal use. It's not a supply level. Adex, the same. Obviously, the blue shape, the school-shaped pills are most likely an oral steroid. Um if they're 10 mg tablets, then 152 is not a lot. If they're 50 mg tablets, then, yeah, you're starting to struggle a little bit there because you've got quite a large number. Hmm. But you could build a cycle out of what's sat there or sure. the start of a cycle quite convincingly. Yeah. So it could be either, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you would question why would a person be driving around with single vials of products that were personal use in his car? Yeah, and the gun, you know. All so the environment would play a heavy role into whether you could get away with that argument. If they'd walked into his house and found this, it's a much more plausible argument that it's personal. Yeah. But because it's in his car, you've got to question why is it in his car mm -hmm. and why, if it's personal, because he could argue, well, it's personal, I've just bought it. Well, why have you bought such a strange array of odds and sods and not bought enough to actually create a full cycle out of anything. Yeah. 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 So, you know, car. yeah. So the, it's most likely that that is actually the, the tail end of supply. I.e., sold everything and he's just got a few bits and bats left. Yeah. Or that it's a particular set of orders where someone's, you know, ordered a couple of vials of Decker and someone else has ordered a vial, two vials of Sust and a vial of Tread. Yeah. Uh, and, and he just hasn't delivered them yet. I could see that. So here's what he was booked on. Uh, he's in a detention center on 14 separate charges, including possession of a controlled substance, possession of a dangerous drug, possession of marijuana, unlawful carrying of a weapon, and get this, possession of a false drug test falsification device. I never heard of that one. No, I haven't. Also, what's the dangerous drug? Trend's pretty dangerous, but well, yeah, but they're not gonna know that. Yeah, it's not like if he had DNP or something. I don't know. I wouldn't know what those skull shaped candies, I mean, pills are though. <laughs> <laughs> I want them. I want to get some skull shaped pills. I don't know. I don't give a fuck what they are. <laughs> <laughs> 
So if Scott's really ill next week, it's because he's been chomping down on skull-shaped pills that he didn't know what the fuck they were. (laughs) Too many skull-shaped pills. All right. Well, listen, we do have uh, our steroid profile of the week. It's actually not a steroid. Um, I also want to add that uh, this segment is brought to you by crosslands.org.uk. Oh, David, you have a question? Sir, I do, sir. Yes, David. Why don't labs actually use more creative pill presses like ecstasy manufacturers do? I don't know. That's a good question. Too much work? Well, yeah, but well, it's just a pill press, isn't it? Yeah. I've seen uh, like an underground lab uh, for ecstasy. Guys that would take the pills, break them down, mix them with a buffer of some type, and then make new pills, press them out. It really wasn't that big of a deal. No, I mean, it's only the presses in the pill. I mean, the, the press molds in the pill press. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you could have, the, 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 they do Superman emblems. They do, you know, why why don't we have more creative? So there you go. UGLs out there, get more creative with your pill presses. We want to see funky schools, pills, and other weird and wonderful shapes and designs. Listen, since we've been doing this show, I've received a number of invisible or vanishing conversations from people on Instagram who actually are <laughs> listening that could do this. People from some shady people have reached out to me, Dave. I'm just saying. So they're That's watching. just a reflection the reflection of the sort of character you are, Scott. It's the company I keep. They're like, oh he's hanging out with Dave. He's cool. We'll talk to him about all sorts of I don't get these stuff. shady messages. So it can't be me. It must be you. I, the shady messages I've got, half of them have been from you, actually. yeah but they're different sorts of messages let's not talk about those ones all right those are the ones with the pictures we we have uh we have our uh, drug profile steroid profile of the weekend like i was beginning to say this segment is brought to you by crosslands.org.uk so go over there uh reach out to dave send him some sort of inflammatory messages on email Uh, (laughs) and today we're going to talk about dnp so uh david I know you guys have had you guys have had issues with it in the past few years, even in the mainstream population. A young girl, mm. college age girl passed away from it. Uh, I know that this is traditionally used in bodybuilding uh, as a fat burner. Uh, what else is it? It's also an industrial dye. It's also an ingredient for dynamite. So <laughs> you can use it for a lot of stuff as far as as far as I've heard. But uh, where do we want to start here? Well, there's, there's a DMP is quite an old product. I mean, it, it was sold very openly in the 1920s mm. as a fat burner. Uh, I believe it was banned in 1930s due to, at the time, I think it was cited as causing cataracts. Mm, okay. There is a there is a, a sort of folklore story that it came about by blast miners that were handling dynamite were losing weight um, and sweating a lot. And, and they, disco- they discovered that it was the DMP that was causing this. How true that is, I honestly don't know. Yeah, um, I heard, I heard and then the I think Dan Deshane's credited with bringing it back, isn't it? Uh, I believe so. And I had heard the same thing uh, in uh, industrial dye making that people who are working on the, the lines 
we're also experiencing you know rapid weight loss because it does absorb through the skin but i think you are right yeah. and i don't know how true that is either but i think you're right that dan duchene was the one who really brought it back into popularity now i believe the story with Dan goes that he heard of the russian soldiers using it to keep warm mm. oh which i do um on the front line and or you know in the whether when they are in the extremities of winter and i also noticed that they were all in really good condition yeah. um and that's where he sort of noticed it from again that could again be just folklore and not actually be genuinely true but yeah it's it's probably excuse me <coughs> the really tickly cough at the moment it's probably out of all the fat burners out there the most effective yeah, I would agree. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can deny on how powerful DMP is, uh, but it is also the most toxic. Um, yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to go, or it's going to be quite difficult—not impossible, but quite difficult—to kill yourself with the other fat burners that are readily available. Whereas DMP, I think the lowest dose death ever recorded was. 250 milligrams a day. That's not much. But it was over an extended period of time. Okay. Where the short dose exposure, I think, is about five gram. Oh, wow. Um, which seems a huge amount, but let's just roll back a little bit. This stuff stays in your system for what, half life of five days. Yeah. So, you know. That five gram is an accumulative dose. It's not what they were taking on a daily dose. Yeah, yeah. So the girl that you referenced at the beginning, which was, the, I believe, the most recent death from DMP in the UK, and is is a few years ago now, I th believe she was on 1,200 milligrams a day. Wow, okay. Which is which is a stonkingly large amount. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she wasn't part of the now, fitness community at all. She was just a No, she, she just trying to lose weight. Yeah. The irony of it is that she had approached her student union asking them to either put some sort of event awareness on around the dangers of DMP or at least circulate information about the dangers of DMP. I remember hearing that, which is interesting. Yeah. And then literally a week later, she, she, she was dead. Um, to put DMP in real simple terms and not getting into complex discussions about mitochondria and the rest of it, in short, DMP stops your body's ability to use carbohydrate as energy, therefore forcing you to burn your fat stores. That's, in short, what it does. Yes. Um, unfortunately, Newton's law of energy can neither be created nor destroyed means that the energy from your carbohydrates must go somewhere. DMP converts it to heat. The body doesn't recognize DMP. It has no defense over it. And once it's in your system, you can't flush it out. And there isn't a chemical that will neutralize its effects. So the problem with DMP is that if you take too much or you eat too many carbs, which is the other way you can screw yourself over, um, you're basically then a sicking time bomb if you go too far. And it's just a case of you have to wait until you cook yourself. Yeah. Um, medical intervention will try and keep you cool. But because you're generating the energy and the heat from internal it's very difficult to do, and, and nine times out of ten, you'll go into some sort of heart failure because of if, immense heat. Yeah. Um, and, and that's effectively how DMP can be fatal. Um, 
So I suppose in a way it's a chemically induced ketosis. Um, I do know of a friend of mine who I will remain anonymous that used to be a big fan of DMP. And he was uh, being passionate with a lady one evening and had to keep jumping off and going to the window and opening the window to try and cool down because he was getting too hot. Overheated, yeah. yeah. Oh, he was overheating while he was having sex. And uh, she actually asked me the next day, is he all right? He was acting really weird last night when they were having sex. And it was like, yeah, he's on DMP. Um, But from a fat loss point of view, I mean, I've seen this, this stuff strip 12, 14 pounds of fat in seven days. Yeah, I've used it twice. Now, the first time I used it, um, I ran it for, I believe it was three weeks. And I started it, I, I, I want to say 250, and I worked my way up that's to a, 500. Uh, that's I, the usual start point, 250. So I was working for the pop company, the soda company at the time. It was summertime, getting ready for a show, and it was toward the end of the prep. And I'll tell you, man, the, I could the, the heat was real. You know, working in a, in a hot environment, uh, it was it was definitely uh, compounding. My strength was zapped. It basically, you know, ate up all the ATP in my body and left me just like powerless. If I were to use it again, which I did, I used it again uh, the second time several years later, um, and I used it early in the prep. I used it to basically jump ahead. I only ran it for five days. <clears throat> I used a protocol that my friend uh, S2H put together, uh, it basically using uh, low fats uh, and carbohydrates came from fruit, fruit only. Hmm. And I, I used, I believe it was 200 milligrams, and it, it incinerated the fat in that five-day period of time. Now, the issue I had was my diet was actually you know, moving along pretty well, steady, you know, you could, you could see nice consistent losses each week. Then I started the DMP. It jumped me ahead. But when I came off of it, it took me two weeks to figure out what I needed to do nutritionally to get back on track. So they, it really was two steps ahead and kind of two steps back because it took me a couple of weeks to figure out what I needed to do to continue fat loss once I had jumped ahead. So... I'd say I ran it once. Yeah. Fucking hated it. <laughs> yeah. How long did you run it for? I lasted 10 days. I could not hack it any longer. I hated it. I felt like absolute ass. Yeah. Yeah. Hated told, it. Absolutely hated it. It's interesting. Uh, anybody else jump in and see, tell me if that uh, you guys feel this way too. Um, I'm being told. Um, I'm not sure if it's because I'm listening on Facebook live, but I can barely hear Scott's microphone and Dave comes through loud. Uh, let me know. So if it's an issue or not, I'm not sure from what I'm seeing, maybe my mic could be turned up a little bit. Try that. It's because Scott has a cheap ass mic and I nick mine from my protein. So mine's better. All right. You think I should, should we keep going with the show, Dave, or should I did turn my mic up? I can adjust. Yeah. You sound a lot. You sound a lot clearer now. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll keep the mic turned up then. Thanks, John. Huh. Okay. But I would also like to hear of other people's DMP stories. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. 
I'd be curious to hear. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. I, I think it is one of the most dangerous compounds that exist in bodybuilding. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there's, then it, it's been very popular with a lot of people. I mean, zzz, whatever you want to, however you want to pronounce that. Was he a big guy on this? Yeah, he liked that. No, it, it, oh, he's a big, big guy on DMP. Yeah, that's the rumor as to how he died was DMP and being in the sauna. Yeah. Now his followers will will quite strongly deny this and defend him because they are literally like a cult. Yeah. But my understanding is that that was what contributed to his death was he was on DMP and he went in the sauna. No kidding. We got mm. uh, the the muscle chef says it's the only thing that we don't have in Kuwait. DMP. You don't need DMP, Mr. Muscle Chef. Yes. Who was the buff chef last week? That's what it was, the buff chef. Yeah. I got his name wrong. <laughs> the buff chef. Yes. So, uh, DNP, yay or nay, Dave? It's a one hour show. Not. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, sorry. I'm old. I'm slow. <laughs> Fucking hate you, you Go on, press the button. Oh, I have the button over here. You go ahead. I'll. Yeah. I'll find, I gotta find. Oh, you press the button. Still. There it is. Uh, it should be a big red one on the desk. Thank Fuck you. Off, Scott. Ah, that's better. <laughs> we have to have a collection of these. Um, a bit like a BBC soundboard. Anyway, um, I would say, for the most part, no. Yeah. There are, you know, I have seen it used effectively and, and, and quite well, but you really need to be aware of what that shit's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I, the only reason I used it was because I wanted to know. I wanted to know what it was yeah. all about. And I think that anybody I've ever known who's used it, that's been the case. Um, I have, like, like I mentioned, a coach who used it regularly with a lot of people, including you know, like full 16 week diets at 500 milligrams. I think that if that's the case, if somebody ever wants you to do that, or if you want to do that, your nutrition probably isn't on point because the vast majority of competitors have gotten into shape, not using it. If you needed that, then there's probably a problem. The other thing is it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, and that is something that has come out that it isn't going to not every, I mean, when I used it, I ran it 10 days. I ran low carb. I was already dieting. Uh, I gained a pound. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't water because when I, I had no change in weight for several weeks afterwards as well. You gained a pound. I gained a pound, yes. Uh, and I questioned this with Jim Moore at uh, John Moore University. Jim McVeigh, sorry, at John Moore's University Hospital. Okay. And he said, yeah, actually, DMP doesn't actually work for everybody. There are case studies showing it has no effect whatsoever on certain people. I've never heard that before. Hey, no, maybe I'm just a fat fuck, and that's a simple reason behind it not working. But I was actually dieting at the time and doing everything I should have been doing. We'll jump to our listener questions then. Um, but but first, I wanted to ask you, I've never seen, I think it's a Disney movie with Shrek. Are you familiar with Shrek? Do you know who that is? My fiance loves Dave because he sounds like Shrek. 
Sounds. That's not so bad. I thought she was going to turn around and say looks. <laughs> All right. You tell me you don't know what Shrek looks like. I, he's the big green guy, right? I've never heard him yeah, talk. Yeah. yeah. I know I'm you look like Hulk. him. No, the other, the other big green guy. You look, you look just like him, except for the green color. I just don't know what he sounds like. But if, you, if, if she was to say you look like Shrek, I'd be like, oh, completely. I can't even tell the difference, as a matter of fact. Fine. Move on. <laughs> All right. We've got a bunch of Lister questions here. We'll just jump straight to them. I'm not sure what we have. Just a mixed bag. Everything here is from the YouTube. Um, does more milligram equal to faster muscle gain? Jordan Peter suggested that your first cycle should be 250 milligrams at test. Second, 300. Third, 400. Uh, fourth, 500. Um, that just seems awfully slow to me uh, and goes against the 500 for your first cycle, which seems to be a common theme. What are your thoughts? You can go first. Well, 250 would be pretty low, but I do think that mm. you average person would probably stand to make some gains on that. Um, I don't have a problem with going higher for your first cycle, though. Um, do you need 500? I, no, I do think that, that I like the theme. I like the theme of using less to build as much mm -hmm. as you can and then going up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've also heard people say, oh, your first cycle, you're going to have your best response. So you should, you should take all the stops out. And I hear guys running a ton of gear in their first cycle, but then the question comes, well, where do you go from here? So mm -hmm. I think that starting as low as possible, being conservative, getting as much as you can out of that, um, you will stand to probably be healthier and long term, be able to make some awesome progress. Um, I, I don't know if I would. This probably wouldn't be what I would do. Put, put it that way. I would probably would go higher than 250 tests on a first cycle. But that's that's just been my experiences. Pretty much same thing. I like I like the message that it's trying to send. Yeah. I think if almost Jordan's been a little bit over conservative deliberately. Yeah. Um, I think in reality a three to four hundred meg first cycle is probably gonna be and also you know, it'd be great if you lived in a world where nobody touched gear until their training and diet was optimized. But the truth is that most people coming into gear have very subpar nutrition and, and even more so very subpar training. Yeah. And, and if you're going into your first steroid cycle on, on pretty averagely crappy training that you see in most fitness gyms up and down the country every day when they're open, um, then you're not going to get a great deal of response off a, a low dose first test cycle because it's not going to have enough oomph to compensate for the fact that you're not stimulating muscle in the most effective way. Yeah. If, if you've had the conditioning in a way of learning to train properly and you are very skilled in that department of training, then you could probably get some very impressive results off 250, 300 mega week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but I think for most people, they're not going to see the results they want to see off a 250 mig cycle. And that's, really down to the fact that their training just isn't where it needs to be to get those sort of results of such a low dose. Sure. 
True. I'd, I'd agree with that. All right. If you guys want, feel free to throw some questions up in the live feed here. I see Brian just did. We'll get to you shortly. Uh, we do have a bunch of questions, though. So what else do we have here? Skipping <coughs> with the YouTube. Oops. Let's see. I think that's the same one. I thought you were supposed to be prepared. I I am prepared, Dave. This is as good as it's it gets. shit. This is as good as it gets, Dave. <laughs> All right. This is from Chris. He says, question for the next episode. Gear possession over the course uh, or progression over the course of a whole career of the athlete bodybuilder. Um, what to start with, when to move up. So kind of a, a related question. When to add new compounds, when to increase weekly milligrams, when to introduce other things like HGH, insulin, etc. Time on off between cycles, blasting, cruise. Uh, a lot of stuff going on here. I don't know if we can get to all of it. Um, but basically just talking about, so, so how do we progress? Dave, say somebody did take that 400 milligrams we just discussed uh, in that first cycle. What, what do they do next? Well, you've got to remember as well, the progression isn't just down to drugs. What do you mean? So I, I, well, I've had people that have done 500 milligram cycles for the first, the second, and the third cycle. Because sure. in between those cycles, their training and their nutrition improves. So they got more out of it the next time round and again the next time round. Mm. Um, you could argue that you would stick with the same dose until you fail to progress. Yeah. And then you'd look to increase the dose or add in. Choices of drugs is very much down to, one, what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Two, honesty about where you are with your diet and training. So for argument's sake, DEC is a, a, a lovely off-season compound, but if you're living off, if your off-season is pizza, burgers, and KFC, <laughs> then DEC is not going to be a good choice because you're going to bloat like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and you'd probably look at using a drier compound to offset some of the fact that your diet's so absolutely garbage. So there's things like that that need to be considered. I don't think there's a set format. I think you really have – it has to be a balance of what you're comfortable with. I like that, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I can cite pros that I know for a fact run five-gram cycles. Yeah. Uh, but I could also cite pros that I know for a fact have run, and um, for the most part of the career, sub one gram cycles because they didn't need any more because they were still progressing. And I, I think that's where you sort of need to come from with, with, with this is, did I progress last cycle? Yes. No. Was my training and diet at its best point? Yes. No. And based on those answers, would you make a decision on whether you need to increase drugs? or you need to focus better on diet and training. But there's also the, the the part of this is where you may not be willing to focus on diet and training anymore. Yeah. And so therefore you're gonna try and compensate for, for increasing drugs. That's your choice, but obviously you must be aware of the, the higher the doses, the greater the risks involved. Um, so a lot of it is really, you need to self assess, which is why a coach comes in really well because a coach does the assessment for you. Yeah. Um, and off the back of that, you can then decide, right, do I need to improve my training quality? Do I need to improve my diet quality? Or are those two as good as they're going to be for the, at least at this period in my training career? So therefore, in order to progress, I'm going to need to increase the drugs. Uh, and also the justification as to where you're going at the end of all this. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, are you wanting to be agree. massive for massive? Yeah, you wanted to be massive for massive sake, which is what my my bag was. Are you looking to compete? You know, what are you looking to do? Um, so all these things factor in, age factors in, risk of fertility factors in, relationship factors in, career factors in. You know, there's no point running a two-gram cycle if you know that your hours at work are going to mean you're lucky if you're going to train more than two, three times a week. Good point, yeah. So there's, there's so many key factors pull into how you progress your drugs. In regards to using insulin and growth, I would leave them to very late on in your usage career because they are more polishers in the sense of the chemical bundle that you put together than they are primary agents. Yeah, you could, if, if you're a non-competitor, your goal is just to put on as much muscle as you can, work hard in the gym, look good, feel like the big guy when you walk around town. You could probably do that, achieve a lot, and never have touched growth or insulin. I, I definitely agree no. with that. Well, I got the 365 pound with no growth in insulin. Yeah, but you were like 362 pounds when you started. No, no. So it was really a three pound gain. Just saying, weren't you? Wasn't that you yeah, see, at least I squat, squatted more than 230 pounds. You see one. Didn't you gain three pounds on that cycle? Isn't that what it was? 67. So I was close. Yeah, you were close. <laughs> just, a, just a little bit more. Yes, yeah, I think it was about 67 pounds. That's incredible. All right, what else do we have here? All right, let's see here. Oh, he's got a couple. He said to let us pick. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I've still got some coffee. Oh, good. Oh man, I'm, I'm out. I'm out of coffee. Let's take this. That was that one. was this this that was this morning's cup from about eight oh. o'clock. <laughs> let's take this third question. Is progressive overload really needed for growth? I was watching recent big Rami training video and comparing them uh, to 10 years ago, and he's lifting the same weight or lighter, but he's put on tons of muscle during that time period. Right. Firstly, Scott, that was question four, not question three. Oh, God. I guess you're right. There's a lot so of choices. I here. guess will you get your eyes tested, please? Um, yes and no. Progression is required, mm. but that doesn't necessarily mean more weight. Okay. That could mean more volume. It could mean more time under tension. It could mean better connectivity with the muscle. Yeah. It could mean better engagement with the muscle in the movement. So there are, I've said this before quite a few times, I think, really, but there is a big difference between moving a weight. I'm feeling a weight. Yeah. Uh, and people look at progressive overloaders uh, achieving a certain number of sets and reps. The goal of your workout is to achieve muscle damage and stimulate further growth through repair. Your goal of your workout is not to do X amount of sets and X amount of weight. They are tools that you use to achieve muscle stimulation, but they are not the goal of the workout. And that's where a lot of people get a bit mixed up. Mm, yeah. So I can do the same weight now that I did 10 years ago, mm -hmm. but get a much better engagement with the muscle and make the muscle work much harder to move the same load 
because my my connection with that muscle is so much more improved. Mm. Yeah, that I'd, I'd go with that. Here's a kind of a follow. And also, volume can increase as well, which is the other thing we haven't discussed. Volume can increase. Hmm. I think that that's the first thing we go to. You know, when we're when we're trying to grow, let's say, uh, and I can use myself as an example. I started out with the bro split, and then you know, what do you want to do? Grow your arms? Then you're like, well, my arms aren't growing. What if I do a second arm day? Hmm. You know what I mean? I would. I always. I very early on, and I don't know why I dropped into this. I think it's because I'd read a couple of books early on that were very sort of Mike Menzer influenced, but. Hmm. I dropped into an idea of set limitation. So I wouldn't allow more than a certain number of sets for an X, X body part. Okay. So if they weren't growing, I had to increase the intensity in the sets that I did. Yeah. What's this, Dave? Oh, I don't know. Cause you've been very slow that. Who's that? That's a cartoon character produced by Pixar and Disney, I believe. Would you like to see a picture of yourself, Scott? You got a picture of me? Yeah, yeah. What's that? That's Scott. Ooh, you're saying that I'm 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 just like straight up and down like that. That's what you're telling me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's red, same color as your t-shirt. Fucking, you son of a bitch! And it's got a little black tip on the end to represent your black hair. Just there's no gray hairs on that one. I must admit. <laughs> hey, you started this shit. Here's a follow up. What's your favorite intensity technique? Ooh, I used to like drop sets, yeah. but. I don't know if my form of drop sets is the same as everybody else's. So when I do drop sets, I would use a weight that I'm only capable of moving three, four reps with. Okay. When I failed at that, I'd have the assist to complete the rep I failed on. Then the weight would drop to again to a weight where I'm only going to get three, four reps. And I'd stay in that very high intensity band where it's max effort. You've just found another picture, you twat, haven't you? <laughs> You see it on your face. <laughs> I'm not good um, at hiding that stuff. <laughs> um, so it would end up being 12, 15 reps, but every one was pretty much max effort. And, and that that's, would have been probably my favorite intensity approach. Okay. I'm really into rest pause. I like rest pause a lot. And uh, I think my all-time favorite, though, is doing like a, a widow maker on a leg press or a hack squat where I'll get constant reps. So say like I do, I work up to, a, a, you know, my, my brutal set. So say I uh, start with two plates and I get 10 counts. So you reps. get, so you get up to about 150 kilo. What's that? 300 pounds on leg press. Yeah. Yeah. About, yeah, about 150 yeah, kilo. That's where I max yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. I work up to, you know, a set though where, uh, you know, I can get like 10 constant reps, but I can't get any more and then put on two and then more you go plates. For yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you go for 20. That's, I, mm. that's my favorite thing, man. I live for those sets. You can't do, that's not, a, you can't do that all the time, you know? No, it's stuff like, 
I, I used to do three second pauses. So you yeah. go to failure, one force rep, count three, go again, count three, go again. And you'd keep doing that until you were failing set after rep after rep. So you couldn't, you'd fail on each rep. You just couldn't push another rep. And then that was you. Yeah. The, the probably most intense set I ever did was a drop set from 800 kilo on a leg press. That's like what? 1600? 800 key is 16. Oh, well, was it five plates, a hundred. So 40 plates, 20 aside. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And you, you dropped and we 200. Wow. <laughs> I was fucked. And I don't know if you really need to do that to like, I don't know how no, it was um, for muscle growth, you was, know, but they're great. It was one one of them workouts where they, you get a couple of mates with you and it just starts getting silly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it just got silly. I mean, one of them was literally holding me in the leg press so I couldn't get out. <laughs> yeah. It, and, it just, you know, and it was just more, more, more. <laughs> Fuck, I puked on myself and everything. Did you really? Going. I couldn't get out of the machine when they finished. They dragged me out and left me on the floor. Yeah, that was no good. Like, that didn't really grow any <laughs> muscle, but those are the sets we remember. <laughs> just for anybody who yeah, is watching... Go ahead. <clears throat> the, the, what you do get out of that set, though, is this ability to withstand the intensity. You do. You do. You learn to push through. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're not particularly – they're probably detrimental sets in the sense of the absolute overload it does to your whole system. Yeah. But but what it does teach you is to be able to push through and yeah. that you are capable of more than you realize. Yes. Yeah. That, that is an important lesson too. I wanted to mention mm. for, cause sometimes we might have newer people that are watching. If you don't know what a rest pause is, what I'm talking about is let's say it's a, on a pull down, getting as many reps as you can using a weight you can get about, let's, let's say 10 reps to failure. I mean, you get to seven and you feel like, you know, you're going to fail, but you still get three more. Then after that, you take a 20 second pause, a real 20 seconds. So you got to use a stopwatch or, you know, your phone to count it out, clock on the wall. Then you repeat that. So you get three, three of those mini sets with a 20 second pause in between. Um, and then you end up taking a weight you could have only gotten 10 with. And now you got, you know, we'll say 18 total reps. So it's a, it's a nice way to, to push ahead a little bit. I figured I should tell. Don't do this. Hmm? Go on. I was gonna say, I figured Sorry, we should say that kind of stuff. In case people are watching and they don't know, you know what I mean. But don't do what Scott does because Scott doesn't wait ten. So he goes for a piss and goes gets a coffee, then comes back and does his next. Part and then I do set. three more. Let me take a break. Yeah. Read a book. <laughs> Let's see. Um, oh, he's the guy who asked about the power PCT. He said, "I have a question for the next podcast with Dave and Christmas Cabbage. Is eating whole eggs?" Uh, any impact on your cholesterol levels? Should it be avoided during a PCT or during a cycle? Yes and no. Yeah, you know, whole eggs are going to have a very mild impact on your cholesterol, but I don't think it's that concerning. Um, eggs got a bit of a bad rep for cholesterol. Uh, and I mean, any fat you eat is going to somehow impact your cholesterol, be it your HDL or be it your LDL. Um Obviously, high dairy fats, high animal fats do tend to elevate LDL, so the, there is reason to be a little bit careful there. Um, keep your cuts lean. But unless, I mean, 
there's there's a lot of factors that play into managing cholesterol um and just by just eating eggs you are not necessarily going to screw your cholesterol up yeah i've heard they because there were they went back on it you know initially you heard Mm. back in the day they were saying hey eggs are terrible for you they're not going to affect your cholesterol and then they said oh wait we're we're wrong about that it's just your genetics that that play in a role uh the dietary cholesterol doesn't play a role and now they've gone back again, and there's a new study saying that eggs are as bad as, you know, smoking a carton of cigarettes. A day. I don't know. Something something like that. They're going to – I mean, obviously, they're going to add to your total fat intake. But if you're exercising, you've got fibrous veg in there, you've got oats and oatmeal and that sort of stuff in there, then you're going to offset that to some degree. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's not quite as simple as saying, well, you can't eat that food because it's bad. It, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's a very good nutritional food, is egg. Mm. And I definitely don't think it's something you should avoid. But I wouldn't say that the old days of 20 raw eggs a day is, is, is in this day and age necessary. Yeah. And you know what, too, for a guy that is natural, he says it sounds like he comes off completely – uh, between cycling, you you want to have a lot of good fats in your diet uh, to produce testosterone. You know those things. It's a it's a cholesterol based hormone. Uh, you need it to is. have healthy fats in order to produce that when you are natural. So let's see what else do we have here. We got a bunch more. Um, random blood sugar drops used to get them when running D-ball, 50 milligrams a day in a test-based cycle. So I stopped using it. It never happened until the D-ball was added. I just started test 600 milligrams per week, EQ 400 milligrams per week, Tren, Enanthate 400 milligrams per week. Um, As soon as I added the Tren in, I started having these random blood sugar drops throughout the day, sometimes at work, but normally right after training i've tried to eat some simple sugar rice crispy treats right after the gym but it seems like it doesn't help do you guys know wtf would be going on what, the f- what does that mean Dave? it's the trend what, what, is WTF? The, what the fuck that's what wtf means? what the fuck what the fuck yeah okay you're really not down with the kids you are you fuck off scott it's the trend. Um, trend does have an impact on insulin sensitivity. I can't remember, for the love of God, the bloody mechanism. Uh, but I do remember that it does. Oh, Domino's Pizza just sent me an email. Um, Focus, Dave. <laughs> no Domino's. I am You're Domino's Pizza. <laughs> You're on a diet, Dave. No Domino's. Intervention. Unless you brought enough for the whole podcast for everybody here. Well, all three people watching. <laughs> That's easily done. Um, but yeah, the, the trend, it, I've seen it quite a few times of trend impacting sugar sensitivities. Um, Scott. Betsy just left the room. Yes. I've heard of um, I've heard of this kind of thing. Yeah. The D-ball one, I can't explain. I, I really don't know what's going on with the D-ball situation. But definitely with the current situation, it is the trend. Uh, and no, I am not of a way aware of a way you can offset it either. I would look possibly, of course, it all depends on what you're doing nutritionally. Um, 
I would like to know what he was eating leading into this. Um, mm. You know, there, there's a chance that this could be mitigated by adding some fats into the diet. Fats could slow. You know, if, you, if you're going in like a high carb, lean protein meal into training and then you get this post training, you know, you could be working harder. You could be dropping your blood sugar further. You could create some stability by adding fats into the plan. Um, even even a faster acting fat, possibly like coconut oil, um, possibly some you know something else like some peanut butter or something like that. That might that'd be my first go to option. Instead of using carbs to cover it when you catch it, I'd rather add fats in before something maybe fibrous like avocado. You know that that could be a good option. You don't like avocado? Or peanut butter. I think they're both disgusting. Why would anyone like eating foresty oasis? What? Because that's what avocado is. Well, have you seen the green spongy shit that flower arrangers put the flowers into? That's not avocado, Dave. That's sponge. It's exactly the same shit. It looks the same. It feels the same. It even fucking tastes the same. Dave, one of them avocado is a food. Avocado is minging. One of no, them avocado is, a food. is not a food. It's not a food. One of them is a man-made foam that's not edible. Avocado is not edible. It's fucking putrid. It's vile. <laughs> and so is peanut butter. Well, that's what I would do. I think that's uh, actually. Oh, we got one here on the live feed. This is from Brian. Um, no, I know Brian's had some issues with estrogen in the past. Let's see. What does he got here? If one is ultra sensitive to Arimidex, would Aromasin uh, have an equal sensitivity? No, different mechanism. Yeah, and much mi much milder action as well. Okay. Oh, we did have a couple more. I just remembered. So give it a try, huh? Definitely worth giving it a shot. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Here's another one. We had. We actually have like three more. This is. Did you just lift your half sheet to fart? <laughs> no. But it's interesting. Scott McNally, did you just you just touch to one side to let one out? Uh, yeah, that's what it looked like. <laughs> I like that's where on you, this show and going down the toilet. Dave, I like that's where you went. That's that's classy. That's classy. <laughs> I'm a classy chick. You should know that by now. This is posted over at the group. Uh, Amatocrit is at point five eight eight. How uh, worried would you be? Quite. Um, I we talked about this in the group. Now is is Hemo was one eighty something, um, and definitely at a level where he needs to be looking at, at bringing his blood down. Okay. Um, and then the other thing I think was is TSH is high. Yeah. His T Thor was low end but his t3 was high and he couldn't understand how he could be potentially thyroid problematic now one of the things i have seen in people that are predisposed to a and say the word probably predisposed to a thyroid problem is that deca can really affect the conversion of t4 to t3 okay um but his t4 was on the lower end and his tsh was on was above range so 
basically his thyroid is taking much more stimulation to produce the T4. Obviously, T4 to T3 conversion is a separate action. So your thyroid only produces T4, doesn't produce T3. And then it converts it. And then it's converted. So it would potentially look at, he would need to, and I said it in, uh, I think I said it in the thread, he would need to get his antithyroglobulin tested and his antithyroid peroxides, or peroxidase tested, uh, just to see and rule out the possibility of something like Graves' disease or Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. Now, these are immune disorders, but they heavily affect the way the body converts T3 to T4, C4 to T3, should I say. Okay. Hmm. But on the surface, he does look like he's got an underactive thyroid, so he definitely needs to keep an eye on that. Okay. We've got another one here. This one I actually remembered to grab off of Instagram. Um, I heard a low dose of aromacin combined with Novodex is a safe way to manage estrogen. Um, I am very interesting interested in this topic uh, as I'm super sensitive to estrogen, which sucks. Um, I get nipple sensitivity in lumps at 100 milligrams of a TRT dose. And I asked him what his estrogen levels were on TRT. You might understand this number, Dave. I, I don't know what this is. Um, my estrogen was 110 PMOL. Is that Picamol? Yes, yeah, it's, P- it's P- Pikachu. Pikachu, okay. Yes, yeah, 100, 110 Pikachus. Christmas cabbage kind of looks like a Pikachu. Yeah, it's got a bit of like a low lighting at the moment. It looks quite dramatic, doesn't it? It's like it's in yeah. a horror film or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's terrifying with that yeah, smile on his face. 110 is a little bit high for, for that level of test. It is on the higher side, but I wouldn't expect to see it's, um, gynosensitivity at 110. Hmm. Not at all. Uh, rule of thumb normally for gyno is 200 and above. Oh, wow. That doesn't mean that's always, Yeah, but that's upper range is 149. So generally speaking, the average is around 200. And when you go above 200, you start to see gyno problems. I wonder Not if it's everybody. something else. Could it, be, could it be like prolactin or progesterone or something else being out of way? It, it could be. It could be prolactin that's changing the number of estrogen receptors in the nipple and also the sensitivity. Ah. Uh, but regardless to is, is Nova and Aromacin a good estrogen management protocol? Yes, it is. Okay. I do like using those two together. Um, and I do think they give you a nice, gentle, low-impacting health way of managing estrogen. Obviously, if estrogen levels are going to get high, then it's probably not going to be strong enough to cope. Well, the aromacin definitely probably won't be strong enough to cope. But I would say Novadex, if he's got nipple sensitivity, is a go-to without doubt. You'll have to run Novadex. Okay. Um, but he might find he needs to run 40 mig rather than the standard 20. Okay. Yeah. I, I, had, some, I had some thoughts. I just wondered... I wondered now, because I, I don't know if that's where his estrogen levels are, because that, that kind of throws me. Because It's not like he's right. this crazy high estrogen. Two th- estrogen is two-thirds of the maximum range, so you can equate that to your own numbers. Then. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say listen to Dave on this one for once, <clears throat> just on this question. You're feeling all right. Best nootropics for focus, work, etc., other than methamphetamine. 
Is there anything better than meth, Dave? <laughs> you know, that's the reason, by the way, that DMP was taken off the market. They had come out with amphetamine by that time. And so they were prescribing amphetamines for fat loss versus DNP. Um, it was a safer alternative, they said. One of the one of the problems with with amphetamine based stimulants is that though they increase focus and output at the time, the payoff at the other end is just very negative. Yeah. So you get into a situation where you have to use them to function because you can't function without. Where with nootropics, particularly the peptide-based stuff, the sort of second, third gen stuff or whatever they're currently onto now, they improve general cognitive function more wholly, but they're not as dramatic in, in the way they do it. Yeah. So... I don't know enough about the individual nootropics to say where to go or what to go with. Um, but I would have said that a nootropic is going to be a much healthier, much more long-term sustainable way of increasing uh, cognitive function than using something like a FET-based um, stimulant. I think you're right. I do. Um, Did I found good results personally from L-tyrosine, which is super cheap, mm -hmm. super readily available. Um, it helps to kind of excite the receptors, from what I understand, for dopamine, dopamine and norepinephrine. Um, so it's not as much a stimulant as much as it is an anti-fatigue, um, helping you to better utilize, you know, those those neurotransmitters. I found good mm -hmm. success with that, starting at 500 milligrams possibly working up to a thousand used at the time when you need it. Um, I think it can cause a little bit of, um, we'll say like, I, I don't want to say insomnia so much as like restlessness because you're, you're, you know, you're better utilizing dopamine, which if you can't clear dopamine, um, you're not going to produce serotonin, which then as I've learned from Dr. Dean, St. Mart converts to melatonin and helps you to sleep. So you need to get rid of the dopamine in order to create serotonin in sleep. Um, but, you know, during the day, I, I found it to be really helpful. Great on a contest prep, too. And it has a relationship with thyroid, so it can be really beneficial for optimizing thyroid production, too. So I, I like that one. And it's cheap. Okay. You know, it's cheap. It's not like it's not like this weird, random, you know, exotic compound that you have to go through a black market source to find, you know. Yeah, nootropics is not something I'm, 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 I looked at them a very long time ago because a mate of mine was into them, so it sort of pushed me into looking at them, but I can't remember half of what I found, to be honest. Uh, I know there was a really good Russian one. No, no um, but Could be, could yeah. be, yeah. Uh, I'd say I, it's, it's, it's a while since I've looked at it and I can't remember. Russians were using it for the treatment of Alzheimer's. Yeah, that, I mean, I know they were using NOPEP that, for that, yeah. Yeah, so it might be that one. But again, you know, I mean, FET is just a huge slap-in-the-face stimulant. What is? I mean, it, it, FET. I'm FET. FET. Never heard that before. Fet. Fet. Have you ever referred to as FET? Yeah. Um, also got huge, obviously, addictive yeah. um, potential. Um, and, and quite damaging as well long-term in the way of anxiety and, and anxiety regulation and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but 
unfortunately, I don't think there's anything nootropic-wide that would come close to the bang you're going to get off FET, but there are definitely compounds you can use that are much safer and much viable, much more viable for long-term use. Well, like you said, too, though, yeah, that long-term use, man, that's, I think, a game-changer because you could, I mean, God, you get in that, it's a vicious cycle getting involved with mm. something that is legitimately addictive and then you become dependent on it and before you know it you need that dose just to feel normal let alone sped up and then your teeth are we've seen it with we've seen it with pre-workouts we we, where there's there's a there's there's a large number of people now that if they can't have a pre-workout they can't train yeah yeah and the demand for stronger and stronger pre-workouts um and then they can't sleep because they're still wired off the pre-workout so then they're needing sleeping pills or something to bring them down to sleep and it's just a vicious circle yeah well dave do you want to see my bar go on then i'll see your bar all right so this is the transformer bar it's from kabuki strength i ordered it on august 27th and they said 12 week wait time it's about been about 12 weeks now february uh, i think a couple about and, a week ago i got it and five you, days ago you've been moaning about it for the last 10 weeks <laughs> all right so this is uh let's see if i can get it here I, try not to i wonder if i can do this without taking my headphones off ah, hold on i gotta take the headphones off don't we all think scott's an absolute knobhead he really is a prick I can't, I can't pick it up and talk at the same time. It's not, it's not strong enough to pick it up. <laughs> so what's really cool, if you look over here, Dave, this piece adjusts. It's got this little pin here. So you can actually take this piece and rotate it forward to make it into a front squat. I'll bring it this way. Or you can rotate it back to do like, like a, a low bar variation and then this piece comes out and you can adjust it up into one of these other slots here so you have four mm -hmm. different spots the lower it is the harder it is because the further away from your body it's going to be and then it's got the you know, so it, it's like a traditional it's a, it, yeah it's a safety bar but with that obviously attachment on the end oh, okay yeah yeah it's pretty cool it's not that heavy it's it's heavier than a uh, you know, a standard Olympic bar is 55 pounds, uh, but the padding's really nice on it. And, uh, yeah, it finally showed up, man. So well, you, you obviously need a fanny pad, don't you? Oh, well, what? Nothing. A fanny pack? No, I don't, nothing. Didn't say a word. You're hearing things, mate. Look at this. This picture fits perfectly right here where Dave's sitting. Fine. Next, I'll just piss off now. I can pick me nose and do all sorts. Nobody's going to see me. <laughs> but then we couldn't see Christmas cabbage, and then the show would not be as good. Definitely. He's definitely the most intelligent person on this show is Christmas cabbage. <laughs> we were told we need to have like a little Christmas cabbage logo for the show. I think we should, yeah. Did you think he was going to take off like this, Dave? He's more popular than us. That's not really hard, Scott. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. A dog turd's more popular than us. We should make him his own Instagram page, you know, and then we could oh, write off. His I have enough trouble updating my own <laughs> without having to run one for instant <laughs> fucking cabbage. You know, you do different pictures of him out in the. You talked about the snow. You could get like pictures of him out in the snow each day, stuff like that, sledding. I'm, te I'm 
I'm tempted. I am actually tempted. <laughs> you got a lot of free time on your hands. It's not like you're, you know, working, trying to help clients and run eval, all that, you know? Uh, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twenty-five, twenty-seven, twenty-nine messages to answer. Since well, that's because they're all from your friends just giving you shit about stuff. I, ha- I have no friends. Richard Foster is your friend. No, he's not. He's a prick. I can't stand him. Somebody mentioned uh, Strom the other day. They're, they we're talking about health supplements uh, on the show or one of the shows. And he was like, hey, mate, because he's from the UK. He said, hey, mate, are you familiar with Strom? They make good health supplements. He does. He, does. he was one of the first. I suppose Rich was the first that really started focusing on supplements for users. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think they were the best supplements he brought out for users, but at least he broke that market. He went into that market. And and I think Rich really much picked that mantle up and took it to a point where it, we started to see for the first time properly effective supplements mm. that were designed for users. Um, and then obviously, I mean, he was the, he seemed to be the guy that really first broached the neuro support side of things. Okay. And now there's loads of other companies come out with their version of a neuro support. Um, I've talked to guys in the UK that, so the only, we don't really have a lot on the market here. We have revive and I've talked uh to guys in the UK who are like revive is shite. That's what I've heard them say. Cause they say that the dosing is a lot lower and I don't know cause I haven't looked at a lot of the revive products, but they're saying that you're paying just as much for, or more for products that, uh, aren't dosed as high as some of the stuff you guys have coming out there in the UK from like Strom or Supplement Needs. Supplement Needs, they're both, like crazy on the dosing, you know? Both those companies offer incredibly good value for money. Yeah. Uh, Supplement Needs, some of their stuff is more expensive, but it's reflected in the dosing that you receive in that product. Yeah, you're getting like 800 milligrams of Tutka, you know, so in their, yeah. in their liver product. So there's that. Yeah, so it's to say it's, you know, both of those brands offer really good value for money, and what you pay for is what you get. Yeah. The, there's, you're not paying for fluff. You're, you're paying for the ingredients in the products, which is, I, I, I mean, out of the companies that are around, they're the, the main two that I would use. Yeah. I don't get any without, kickbacks from supplement needs now. I received a few products, but we do have a code for them. So if anybody does want to save money, I believe it's 10% off if you use the code advices. So use that. We should get, we should, I know Richard doesn't do codes. He doesn't do discounts. No, he said no, because he's basically not really making a ton off anything anyway. So he's, he's, he makes on volume, but at the end of the day, his argument is the product is quality. The product is fairly priced. It, it sells itself. And why would I get into that market of cheapening myself by offering this, that and the other? Yeah. Yeah. Which I, which I, I agree with to be fair. Jeff Baker asked, what kind of bar was that, Scott? It is a transformer bar from Kabuki. If you order one today, you could probably have, you could be squatting by fall next year of 2023. Scott saw because it took a while to come. No, they had, they had production issues and then COVID hit. So that obviously created more production issues. It's currently not available. Like you can't even pre-order it type thing. So I'm um, I mean, actually I have another bar on the way from them. I'm expecting that uh, in 2024. 
kidding. Have you, are we going to hear about this bar every week as well while you bitch and moan like a spoiled school? No, girl? it was a gift, so I can't complain. It was a, a, right. a, a gift from uh, the owner of the company. So I'll. Uh, Hi. Oh, hey, what's up? My bro? name's Scott. My name's Scott. I produce a podcast with Dave, but I moan about a bar that I'm never going to put more than 20 pounds on. What, Dave? We can't hear you. <laughs> Should we change the name of the podcast to Dave and Scott abuse each other? <laughs> People would like that. People would like that. We got a message, by the way, um, from a guy who said, I don't even use steroids. I don't even exercise. I just watch the show because I enjoy the banter. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> All I can say is, sir, you need to get a hobby. There's something <laughs> severely missing in your life if you enjoy watching this show. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and on I, that note, sir. There's a, Corey Wright also mentioned, did, did Mike Miltek, Dr. Miltek, give you any advice on those supplements? I don't know if he's talking about nootropics maybe. But no, I, I haven't talked to him about any of that. I do want to get Dr. Miltek on a show, though. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to get his opinions on using anti-aromatase agents because uh, he's a believer in them. He doesn't think that they're the worst thing in the world. They're going to kill you. And that he believes that estrogen should be kept in a normal range, that you shouldn't let it run like crazy, Dave. No, I've always, yeah, I, I agree. It should be managed. I agree. I agree 100%. So. It should be managed. It has a lot of health benefits. It's not the devil that people make it out to be. Yeah. In fact, I was thinking about it further. So if you're on TRT, your estrogen, your, your, your test is in the normal range, okay? Then maybe you probably don't need a an AI, right? Because your estrogen is not you, going you crazy. Shouldn't, you shouldn't do. Yeah, you shouldn't do. But if you're on cycle... Let's say you're running 750 test. There's a chance that your estrogen is going to be out of range. You're going to have high estrogen, which can also lead to issues. People who mm -hmm. think that you don't need it on TRT do understand that, yes, you could use it on cycle because your estrogen is going to get so high. Now, what about a guy who were to say, decide that he wanted to run high end TRT, run it at a level even that was above range because that's where he felt good. Now, wouldn't a guy who was say, running, you know, high-end test, his level's out of range, let's say his level's at 1,400, 1,500, wouldn't it be possible for that? Where's that line? If you secede that you need an AI on a, on a, on a cycle, wouldn't running your test high eventually lead you to have high estrogen too? Yes, so you would run your estrogen management based on your estrogen levels. You would think. Estrogen, by the way, not estrogen. Aluminium. Foreigner. Foreigner. Aluminium. Caramel. Caramel. That's just a fancy British way of saying it. That's what they say in the commercials here. Us normal people, we say, us normal people, we say caramel. And then they put these commercials on TV and they're like, enjoy this delicious caramel treat. For under all that creamy milk chocolate lies a luscious center of soft, glowing caramel. It's like that's just because that's how you say it. It's just big time like, to but to sell shit, Dave. That's what that is. Worcestershire. That's a yeah. Go on, go on. Worcestershire. Go on. Ah, oh, you did it. Well done. See, you can be taught. Yeah, Worcestershire. <laughs> 
Worcestershire. Yeah, easy, right? No Shire. Sure. That's what I said. No Shire. That's what I said. No Shire. No, that's it. Hobbits come from the Shire. No Shire. Worcestershire. Where does Shrek come from? I don't know where he comes from. Well, we'll we'll find out and we'll let you guys know on the next episode. Check out crosslands.org.uk. You can reach out to Dave there. And if you are local to Dave, um, sign up with Eval. You can uh, go to his house and tell him that you need to use the bathroom so you have an opportunity to snoop around. Uh, also, you guys can reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. And, of course, check out our great sponsor, True Nutrition. You can use our code advices for some savings from them. And uh, if you guys want to support us, you can check out our Patreon. I'll put a link below. I should probably mention that more. Christmas Cabbage. As always, it's been a pleasure. He doesn't like you. <laughs>